It's time for Forward Nation Radio. Now here he is, the host of Forward Nation Radio, David Leventhal. Welcome to Forward Nation Radio, I'm David Leventhal. On today's show, this week in the war on reality, which is proceeding so quickly for almost half of this country that today I'm going to work on my eulogy for reality, figuring that I'm probably going to have to give it at some point in the pretty near future. First, start off with a bit of a programming note. At the end of our last show, I told you that I would be talking in our next show about our need to address some of the worst problems in our legal system. I will still get to that soon. Hopefully, I will be back shortly with a new show, but since it's been two weeks since I've spoken to you, and since that two weeks is basically just consisted of, shall I say, blitzkrieg on reality from, you know who, the usual suspects, the Republican Party, that there's just too much to report on for the past couple of weeks. So I will get to uh, the discussions of what's wrong with our legal system as soon as I maybe get through this week's conversations about the fact that we might not be surviving much longer as a country. So what the hell? None of the rest of it matters anyway. Anyway, thanks for joining us again. Starting off, as I so often do, with COVID. Speaking of the war on reality. Uh, in the latest numbers, 32.5 million Americans have contracted COVID. About 578,000 are dead because of COVID. 257 million vaccines have been administered. The good news is, we keep reading about how the United States is turning the corner. We are poising to reopen all across America. In New York, including New York City, we're poised to open days from now. There's some thought that we might be opening too soon. But because the numbers have been coming down, cases are down pretty dramatically. Deaths are down less dramatically, but still down. And even in the parts of the country like the Midwest, Michigan, that had really been suffering, those numbers are a lot better than they had been. So that's the good news. We start off today's show with the good news to kind of get off on the right foot. I hope you enjoyed the good news segment of our show because it's all bad from here on in, as usual, because I'm reporting on the news. Anyway, it's also being reported since I saw you that it is now expected in the United States that we will not reach herd immunity. That thing that we've been aiming for, that carrot, That's been dangled in front of us for over a year now. The idea that at some point in America, we would reach herd immunity, where basically we would have defeated the virus because the number of people vaccinated, that would be the end. We wouldn't be concerned about it. Well, it turns out experts no longer expect that we will ever reach herd immunity. Turns out in America, we have a little bit too much herd to be able to reach herd immunity or Put another way, we can't reach the critical mass in the numbers of people we need to have vaccinated to reach to reach herd immunity because we have a critical mass of morons in this country. Basically, too many people who will refuse to be vaccinated such that we will not reach herd immunity probably ever. They're now saying that COVID will become a hopefully, basically manageable problem that we will be living with for years. Because jackasses in this country, living in a false reality, thanks to Fox News and its ilk, will not get vaccinated and will not get the numbers to what we need in order to reach herd immunity. Meanwhile, around the world, infection rates are higher than ever. There's some, obviously, good news in the United States. Remember, I started the show with good news. But... Around the world, India, Brazil, etc., infection rates 
are higher than ever. Deaths are higher than ever. We are reminded constantly that it is good to be rich. That in as bad as it has been in America and the Western European nations, it is a lot worse in countries that are still developing. It's also, we have learned, good to have leadership. And it turns out that kind of like America, countries where your leader, the leaders are autocratic and lying sacks of shit, or in the case of India, also religious fanatics, they're not doing quite so well. One of the questions that most of us have been asking ourselves for, for some time as things get better in America and we're reporting on the, the vaccine availability is I don't know how much credit President Biden deserves for all this. I know he deserves some, though. In fact, there are, there are two things, really, that I know regarding how much credit Biden deserves. One is that he deserves some. One is that if President Trump had, had still remained president or you know been able to steal the election so that he could be president, many, many, many more Americans would be dead. Don't know how many more. People will be able to analyze this for years to come about the choices that Biden made and the leadership that he showed and how big an impact it had. But the fact is, there are thousands of Americans we could be pretty confident who are alive today because Donald Trump is not the president. The other thing that I know is that this is not a conversation that would be occurring on the other side if Donald Trump were still the president and if the numbers had still come down at some point. You know that, right? That if Donald Trump had been the president, if the Republican Party were still leading this country, there would be no thoughtful consideration of what they've done that was good and how much they were in the right place. It would be, look what we've done, look at all that we've accomplished. And that's one of many, many, many differences between the two parties right now, one of which lives in reality, and the one of the other one, of course, survives by making up its own reality. We're great. We've done everything. We solved the problem. Don't worry about it. Like everything good that happened during the Trump administration, almost all of which had absolutely nothing to do with President Trump. Biden, for instance, right now is agreeing to ship more vaccines around the world. Just announced that he would be waiving or asking the pharmaceutical companies or demanding of the pharmaceutical companies that they waive intellectual property rights. They, they waive patents so that uh, countries around the world can manufacture generic vaccines to save their people's lives. We're reading about how many complicated decisions are having to be made by the President of the United States. I'm not informed enough. If you're, if you're on this show looking for an answer to that, I don't think you are, but you're going to be disappointed. Sorry, I don't know the answer to that. But I will tell you this. I trust the people in the United States government now making these decisions. And this is why government matters. And this is why who the President of the United States decides to surround himself with matters. Just like in corporate America, one of the things that is a measure of the quality of your leadership is what kind of people does she surround herself with. And Biden has surrounded himself with qualified people who know what they're doing and maybe are experts in their field. And in fact, people who believe in reality and science and data. Whereas President Trump filled the United States government in case you've forgotten, with ass-kissers. And ass-kissers probably shouldn't be trusted to make the right decisions regarding vaccines. Like, for instance, when they supported the President of the United States, who said, you should be injecting bleach. Anyway, we had a census that's come out. I know it's been a while, because it seems a long time ago that we had the census. But we did have a census come out. And that census has shown that the United States is experiencing its second slowest population growth on record. The first slowest being the, right after the Great Depression. Second slowest, lo, slowest population growth on record. Now, 
on, on the one hand, I actually answered a question from one of my students in class. Why this is presented like it's a bad thing, but don't we have like too much population growth on the planet? And, and the answer is, yeah, it's a little more complicated. The fact is America is expecting its population to grow. That's what helps build up our economy. That's what helps support older people in their require in their retirement. It's kind of like a Ponzi scheme, but it's, it's sort of a better one. But much of what th- this country needs to do, we say successfully and to improve our success is predicated upon a slightly growing population each year. So we're not growing enough, apparently, at this point. So <laughs> here's the irony. Maybe America could use some more immigrants. You were waiting for me to say that, right? But maybe if we're not reproducing enough in America, we're going to have to start importing people. And of course, I also want to add, because every time I hear anything about the census numbers, I'm reminded of stuff that I've talked about in this show a long time ago, that maybe, it's only maybe that it's among the slowest growth on record. Do you remember how Donald Trump has tried throughout the census to screw with the census, to make sure that the census undercounted billions of people in America so that they would not get political representation. So the congressional representation in this country that was already that already ridiculously skewed in favor of the minority political party in this country could skew even more in favor, as it will be, as certain legislative seats will shift from New York and California to, for instance, Texas. The irony there being that Texas is picking up a congressional seat because its population's expanding. Its population's expanding because of its Hispanic population expanding rapidly. But in Texas, of course, they're making sure that the Hispanic people who are responsible for them getting more congressional representation are not able to vote. So because of the increase in the Hispanic population, the white people in Texas will be more powerful in the United States Congress as if they weren't already too powerful. But Trump has had several times been told by a court that what they wanted to do with the census to make sure that they undercounted, they weren't going to be able to do. And yet, I think that we probably don't know a lot of what they did do to screw up the census. They did, we know, end the census count earlier than it was supposed to end during a deadly global pandemic. Just as contrast, the ridiculous, absurd, unwarranted, based on bullshit recall election of Governor Gavin Newsom in California was given by a judge an extra several months to gather the signatures they needed to get the recall in because of COVID. So at a time when a judge in California was saying, we'll give you extra months to get the the signatures on the petition you need to recall the California governor, the government of the United States was saying, yeah, we don't need as much time as we were allotted to do the census. Let's just cut this thing off now. So I'm assuming it's the second slowest population growth on record. It may just be that we're not counting. It may be the worst undercount in the United States Census on record. And that brings us now to Biden's address to Congress. His address to a joint session of Congress, which would otherwise be known, every future year will be known as State of the Union. It's just a matter of semantics. In his first year, it's not called the State of the Union, but effectively his State of the Union. And if you missed it, You missed it. It's worth looking back. Look up the speech on YouTube. I think it's worth watching. It's a little longer than I thought it was going to be, but I thought it's definitely worth watching. It's certainly worth listening to me opine about it for just a few minutes on Forward Nation Radio. But the first thing that comes across when you listen to the President of the United States speak is the anti-Trump. That he represents. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to have to keep bringing up this name. He just won't go away. And I guess I'm part of not letting him. Although his party will not let him go away. But Biden was the anti-Trump. First of all in presentation. Go look. Just 
if you don't have time, just watch the first minute of Biden's speech and then watch the first minute of any Trump State of the Union. And, and tell me that you can't tell the difference. Tell me that one of them doesn't immediately come off as a snake oil salesman. Whereas the other one comes across, say what you want about Biden, this is has always been one of his strengths. And I think it clearly came across in his presentation where you just get this, it was a down home, it was almost like a fireside chat without the fire. And that was the idea. He's like leaning on the podium, either literally or figuratively at times, and just talking like he's sitting in your living room talking to people, like you're adults, like you're worth talking to, like he's not making a speech or going through his sales presentation to manipulate you like the last piece of shit always did. But of course, the presentation was one thing. He was really anti-Trump in his agenda. And there's been a lot of talk in my family and among other people I speak with about how excited we are at this point that our hopes for Biden so far, as I've mentioned on this show, seem to be being borne out, which is this is a moderate man his entire life, but he understands that he is living in a liberal reality. Uh Uh-oh, reality again. He is living in a liberal reality. These are liberal times. And I think, as many other, that he is really stepping up at this point. His agenda was a sensible, liberal agenda. He's able to speak with the down-hominess because as I went into class the next day and said to my students, here's this, here's the other side, here's this, here's the other side. Just listen to this. Which do you think makes more sense? Just very fundamentally. Spending money on American families, on hungry poor kids, on education, yes, on building roads and bridges, on bringing broadband internet access, either that or giving more money to billionaires. What do you think? Do we have to have a long conversation on this one? What do you think is going to be in the best interests of America? It was fun during the speech to watch the contrast between the two, and fun in a, oh my God, we're all going to die kind of way, but still fun. But fun to watch the GOP senators and Congress people who were there. Of course, they're sitting on their hands at everything that Biden wants to propose. And some of the things, it was comical. The Democrats were all excited. I believe in, in goodness and apple pie. And the Republicans have to sit on their hands. What was, to me, the defining moment of Republican hand-sitting was when Biden talked about reducing child poverty in half. And the fucking Republicans could not even clap for that. Wait a minute, Cut, feeding poor children? Letting poor children maybe even have a place to stay? That might cost billionaires a few dollars? Oh my God, this is so un-American. This, this is un-American. And of course, the response to the speech, which I'm going to talk about in a few minutes, talked about how un-American so much of this speech was, like feeding poor kids and taking money away from billionaires. Right. The contrast between the two parties could not have been clearer. It was also fun, by the way, on the other side, to watch Bernie Sanders, Senator Bernie Sanders and Senator Elizabeth Warren in the crowd and how often they were excited and how much, frankly, on the screen should have been, you could thank Bernie for this, you could thank Senator Warren for this, you could thank Senator Sanders for this, you could thank Elizabeth Warren for this, because so much of this agenda came right out of their playbook. Longtime listeners will know those were the two who matched my ideology best. Those were the two that I was pulling for at the beginning of the primary season. And it's fun to watch their agenda because their agenda is based on reality. It is nice to see their agenda being promoted and promulgated by the president of the United States, who's always been a moderate. Biden's speech shows what government can do to help the people and the country. It was inspiring in the kind of things that activist government that actually wants to help its people could do. He talked about all the stuff, by the way, that that I've talked about at length over the last few weeks. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. But broadband, bringing broadband service, again, as, as American colleges are increasingly online, and I'm finding out 
from my City University of New York students, how many of them can't participate in their education, particularly because their broadband service isn't good enough? Investing in broadband, sick pay. Again, during a deadly global pandemic, the idea that people could stay home if they're sick. This is a controversy in America. Helping families, financial help for struggling people. And yes, supporting voting rights in a so-called democracy. In fact, supporting democracy in a so-called democracy. Things like reducing gerrymandering and actually returning some amount of democracy to the American public. Again, things that I've talked about at length, so I'm not spending a lot of time on here. It's just a reminder, basically. Shoring up our elections. And yes, making our legal system more fair, including for people of color. Things that you look over the agenda. And I just... I, I want, I don't want to sit down with it. And I don't want to say my Republican friends because I don't want to have any Republican friends at this point. Let's be clear. I don't want to have any Republican friends. But you want to sit down with whoever it is and say, which of these things are you against? Are you for child poverty? Sick people shouldn't be able to get a day off from work. I mean, which of these things are you against? This was an, a reminder about how much Our government is what it is because of the number of Americans who live in a false reality, who don't even understand what the hell is going on and what's at stake. Biden's speech was an overwhelming effort, ironically, most ironically, to help Trump voters. That's maybe my biggest takeaway from his speech, the great irony that the things he is proposing are the things that will help the voters who hate him and are fighting to have him deposed from office so that they could replace him with the man who never gave the slightest shit about them and is absolutely incapable of caring about them. He's seeking $80 billion for IRS tax enforcement for rich people, against rich tax cheats against criminals the administration estimates that it will raise 700 billion dollars over a decade by spending 80 billion dollars to improve irs enforcement against rich criminals anybody against this anybody against making 620 billion dollars for america by catching rich criminals i'll give you a moment to think about this Anybody against this? Well, rich criminals are, of course, and the people who work for them, which is to say, the Republican Party. On the truth front here, Republicans continue to attack Democrats for wanting to defund the police, misstating what defunding the police is about. Democrats don't want to stop the police from catching criminals, but Republicans do want to stop the tax police from catching rich criminals. Again, they work for rich criminals. So it shouldn't be much of a surprise. But that brings me to the Republican response to Biden's speech, which is, in many respects, more illuminating than Biden's speech was. I want to go over Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina's speech. Of course, it it, it got off to a good start. He started off by introducing himself. Good evening. I'm Senator Tim Scott from the great state of South Carolina. Okay, it's important that he says his name and who he is because in the Republican Party, he's still just known as the black guy, being the one black person in Congress or the Senate from the Republican Party. So he has to introduce himself to Republicans as as well as thinking people. I'm not even going to start with the whole great state of South Carolina thing. Great state of South Carolina, where we are still smarting over the fact that just a couple of years ago, they made us take the Confederate battle flag out of our state flag. But okay, I said I wasn't going to get into South Carolina. But he went on and it got worse immediately from there. But our nation is starving for more than empty platitudes. Okay, let me translate. Our nation is starving for more than empty platitudes. We need to make America great again. We need to put America first. We need to have a president for whom everything he does is the greatest, the best. 
do you get where I'm going with this? The, the, a Republican senator is going to start off by saying, we need something other than empty platitudes when his entire political party has been nothing but empty platitudes for years. Socialism. We need a political platform, for instance, like the one the GOP had in 2020. Need I remind some of my listeners that the Republican Party platform in 2020 did not exist? It was, well, go back and look at what we did in 2016. And by the way, Trump is the greatest. Make America great again. We're amazing. So he starts off by talking about we need more than empty platitudes. And his party has nothing other than empty platitudes. But it gets worse from there. We need policies and progress that brings us closer together. But three months in, the actions of the president and his party are pulling us further and further apart. Yes, Tim Scott hates divisiveness. Absolutely. He hates a political party that is pulling Americans further and further apart. So says the representative of the party of billionaires. Yes, ripping this country further and further apart by, for instance, Biden keeps proposing policies that are favored by 70% of Americans. Wow, that guy is just ripping America apart from the 30% of absolute fucking lunatics who belong to a cult. Further and further, maybe he means, oh, wait a minute, by further and further apart, maybe he means social distancing. Maybe he means we should be doing more social distancing. Biden means that. That's right. He is pulling us further and further apart so that we don't infect each other with a deadly virus. Again, pulling us further and further apart. You know, I'm joking about that. But one of the things that's pulling us further and further apart is Biden telling us to wear masks and not murder our fellow citizens. That's drawing support. Not the people who say, I don't have to wear masks and I can go wherever I want and murder you. No, it's the people who say you should consider the well-being of your fellow citizens who are pulling the country apart. You know who else apparently is not pulling the country apart? The people who think that the senators representing 20% of this country should be able to stop this country from doing anything. So yes, changing the filibuster, wanting to change the filibuster, they haven't changed the filibuster, but Biden wanting to change the filibuster so 20% of this country can't stop this country from operating, apparently that's pulling the country apart. But of course, I haven't even gotten to the good stuff here, and it's still pretty goddamn pathetic. This is the party, Tim Scott's party, supporting at this very moment a coup against the United States of America. A coup against God. This is the party that instigated and then covered up an assault on the capital of the United States. <laughs> but it's the other side who's pulling the country further and further apart. This is reality, Republican style. How is Biden ripping the country further and further apart? Well, he refuses to step down, even though a bunch of morons living in a fake universe, including the entire Republican Party, thinks that Donald Trump, or thinks, none of them think this, say that Donald Trump won the election, that he lost by seven and a half million votes. So, yes, pulling the country apart means refusing to hand the reins of power back to the GOP, which keeps alienating the great majority of this country. David Brooks, the lifelong Republican op-ed columnist for the New York Times, pointed out in his op-ed a few days ago that started off his op-ed with, could America today have won World War II? Now, let's ignore a little bit of uh, self-servingness in the idea that America won World War II. We certainly had a huge hand in it. Let's be clear. Okay. So could America have won, could this country have won World War II? And he says, no. He says, no, we can't do anything because of how divided, how crazy, false reality, etc. Now, Brooks, the lifelong Republican, doesn't quite say in this article, though he has said it in others to give him credit, that it's only one political party doing this, but it's only one political party doing this. And it was clear if you read the article and know what's going on. It's just the Republican Party. But here it is, 
Joe Biden is pulling this country further and further apart. Tim Scott, on the other hand, Senator Tim Scott from the great state of South Carolina, is above partisanship. I won't waste your time with finger pointing or partisan bickering. You can get that on TV anytime you want. Yes, I won't waste your time tonight with finger pointing or partisan bickering, but I will say, look over there, it's evil socialists. Give you a moment to to think about that. Won't waste your time with partisan bickering because I know that you've got a capital to go out and assault. So I don't want to waste your time here because you've got to go attacking the United States of America so that your political party could steal an election. And quick, everybody, we need more voter suppression laws because the other side keeps winning elections by getting more votes. And that is so partisan. Tim Scott, of course, is also all about sincerity. I want to have an honest conversation. You want to have an honest conversation and you're a Republican senator? What's your backup career? Because you're going to need it if you actually have an honest conversation. Liz Cheney, anybody? But anyway, you probably already know this, but but here's a word of advice for, for my listeners. Anyone who starts a sentence or starts a conversation with they are want to be honest with you, who does that remind you of? There's a reason that reminds you of Donald Trump. Because someone who starts a conversation with, I want to be honest with you, I want to be perfectly honest with you, is about to lie to you. Just so you're clear. Well, he spent the rest of his speech lying to people. Basically, just lying to people. In, in support of other lies as well. In support of religious fanaticism. Lies against all Biden proposals and what they're all about. Maybe most pathetically, he lies on behalf of a racist political party about racism. He spends a lot of time twisting reality to make it seem like the Democrats are the racists. Yes, that's the honest conversation. It's the Democrats who are racist. People are making money and gaining power by pretending we haven't made any progress at all. Let me be clear on this. For the man who's having an honest conversation, uh, Americans are not pretending that we've made no progress at all. Nobody in the left is saying that. We're saying we have a lot more progress to make. So thank you for that extension error, for misstating the other side's arguments. Not exactly very honest of you, though, is it? What we are saying is that this particular insult from the senator is offensive. America is not a racist country. But the big whopper, and you especially know this is coming when he starts off by telling you how honest he's going to be, and then he pauses and looks at you and speaks in Mr. Honest Voice. Republicans support making it easier to vote and harder to cheat. Right. Because that's what the Republican Party is about right now. They're about expanding voting rights and cutting down on voter fraud. That's the guy who wanted to be honest with us. With us, Anyway, that, of course, leads us into some more political events of the past, well, two weeks, I guess, regarding information, well, misinformation, the lies. I repeatedly on this show love to, to cite Stephen Colbert, who 15 years ago now famously said, reality has a well-known liberal bias. He could have added, so does decency now, but... He said reality has a well-known liberal bias to President Bush, who was sitting just a few feet away from him when he said it. And in case you didn't know that, that's calling the president at the time a jackass because of how much he lied in order to get people to support his agenda. Remember that this level of lying that compelled Stephen Colbert to say to the President of the United States, you and I both know that reality has a well-known liberal bias. This level of lying is now looked back upon in this country with nostalgia. Those were the good old days where there was somewhat less lying. Before the entire Republican Party learned to just live by the adage, if there is something that makes you uncomfortable, such as reality, just make it go away. 
And and where have we seen this in some big issues of the week before I before I leave? Guns and the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. There was an article in the New York Times this week about how a floor collapsed under the weight of all the paper at an office of the, at the main office, I think, of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. And why was this the case? Because they have not inputted all this paperwork into databases and put it online so it was more accessible and the data could be more easily analyzed. I went and asked my students, what, what do you think is going on? And they actually, it was a reminder to me that, that people who are only casually informed or only started getting informed recently don't know the background to these things, which is what makes it so easy for Republicans to live in a false universe, to create a false reality and then to make other people live in it. What was going on there is all about misinformation. It was all about reality. Republicans have forbidden the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms to collect data and to put this data online so it is accessible to people about firearms and the damage that they do. Why? Because if the data is online, it is available to people. And if it's available to people, people could have the information. If it's online, it can be analyzed. If it's analyzed, people can learn about guns. People can learn to make better decisions about guns. Republicans doing the bidding of the National Rifle Association, which is gun manufacturers, don't want people to make good decisions about guns. They want to hide the evidence. They want, they want to hide the evidence of their own crimes. No surprise there. So this is all about the fact that they have been hiding the evidence of their crimes for so long that the paperwork is, is so heavy that a floor collapsed at the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms Office. All because Republicans cannot let Americans learn anything because if they learn something, they will not support Republican proposals. A judge this week, just, just within the last couple of days, a judge rebuked former Attorney General and piece of human trash, William Barr, for misleading the court and America about what surrounded the decision about whether or not to charge Trump with regard to his handling of Ukraine and is basically selling the, selling out the country for, for money and political points. The Attorney General of the United States was rebuked by a judge for providing false information to the judge and to the American public. As a result, the judge orders internal memos for the, for a, a, an important internal memo that they did not want released to be released because, God forbid for Republicans, Americans might actually learn something. Americans might know the truth. And Republicans cannot allow Americans to know the truth. Um, speaking of Trump and, and crimes, the Federal Election Commission just a day or two ago dropped its case on, tr on Trump's hush payments, hush money payments to porn stars in order to keep them quiet before the 2016 presidential election. This was a campaign funding issue because you might remember from old shows, if, if you're a long-time listener, Donald Trump paid hush money to, to these porn stars that he'd had sex with in order to keep them quiet before the election so the information didn't come out. Well, that's a campaign funding issue. He didn't fund it properly, apparently. And so he violated, at least allegedly, campaign funding laws. Well, the FEC decided to drop the case. Trump says, good idea. That's right. It shows I was right all along. It's a huge victory for Trump that they have dropped the case investigating whether he violated campaign finance laws by making hush payments. Uh, to, to people he had sex with, porn stars he had sex with. But what it really is, of course, is a loss for reality. It is an opportunity to remind everybody what it means that the Federal Election Committee dropped the case. The Federal Election Commi Commission, by law, is split three to three. Six members, three of whom must be Democrats, three of whom must be Republicans. The Federal Election Commission, for many, many years, has been worthless. It has been unable to do anything. There have been several articles written by commissioners of the Federal Election Commission saying, we can do nothing, why do we still exist? Why? Because the three Republicans on the panel will not support any action, any investigation of any campaign funding crime because they work for the criminals, of course. So it turns out in this case, the decision to drop this case against Trump 
was two to two. One Democratic commissioner wasn't around. Two Democratic commissioners says this is an absolute outrage that we've dropped this case. One Republican commissioner abstained, was able to not go on record as doing this. I don't know, this person may be running for something soon. The other two said, nope, throw it out. In other words, Donald Trump's henchmen dismissed a case against him, and this will be seen as a victory throughout the right. See, we were right all along. Mommy said I'm a good person, so I must be a good person. That, of course, brings us to Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney, in case you didn't know this, was just drummed out of leadership in the Republican Party. She had been the conference chair or the number three in the GOP House leadership. She is, of course, in case you didn't know this, the daughter of our former vice president, Darth Vader. But she was drummed out of her position for having the nerve to tell the truth. To say that Donald Trump lost the election and it doesn't help American democracy that the Republicans are leading the charge to overturn a valid election and end democracy in America. Again, let's back up. Let's remember who Liz Cheney is and where she is from. As David Korn wrote this week in Mother Jones, he argues that there were two big lies of the 21st century. The big, the one we're currently in the midst of, of course, is that Donald Trump won the election. And that could that could end America. But David Korn argues that her dad is responsible for the first big lie of the 21st century, and that Liz Cheney supported him in it. And that big lie, of course, got us into the Iraq War. That big lie was Saddam Hussein has been buying and experimenting and building weapons of mass destruction. That was a lie too. He didn't. As a result, thousands of Americans and tens of thousands of Iraqis are dead. That was her dad. I think David Korn is being a little unfair here. Two big lies of the 21st century. I think it's hard to keep climate change out of the big lies of the 21st century. They're still lying about it, and it is possible destruction of the planet. So I think it's unfair that climate isn't in there. And obviously her dad was also really big on that other big lie of the 21st century. Her dad putting together the energy task force that said U.S. energy policy should not be to conserve energy, but to give more money to oil companies. Why? Because he was paid $40 million by one oil services company the year he became vice president. Maybe it had something. So this is where Liz Cheney comes from. This one who was too much of an apostate to be in the Republican Party. The big lie about the 2020 election is now a prerequisite as commentators are reporting across America is a prerequisite to running for political office for the Republican Party. In order to, let me just repeat that. In order to run for political office for one of the two major political parties in America, you must support the big lie that Donald Trump won an election that he lost by more than 7 million votes. You must support the big lie that will end democracy in America at the least. That's a prerequisite now in the current Republican Party. Latest number I read, and this is still days old, was that they have now introduced 361 bills in 47 states to limit voting to make sure that it will be easier to lie their way through stealing the next election. Liz Cheney herself, and I don't cite her approvingly very often, said the Republican Party is at a turning point and Republicans must decide whether we are going to choose truth and fidelity to the U.S. Constitution. Well, here's news for you, Liz. The choice was already made, and frankly, you helped make that choice. You have not chosen truth, and you sure as hell as a political party and criminal organization, have not chosen fidelity to the United States Constitution. Voting right now in Arizona, the Republican Party is engineering a ballot recount of votes in the Democratic Maricopa County to try to overturn, at this date, the Arizona election results or to support its efforts to overturn the 2022 and 2024 elections. These, this ballot recount, because the original recount can't be trusted, is a joke. 
It is a laughing stock. They are reporting all over. They're leaving ballots lying around all over the place. It's being run by a guy who's a jackass and a criminal. That's who's doing the ballot recount. This is what the Republicans are going to come out with in a few weeks and say, we were right all along. Donald Trump did win Arizona. There was all, and, and, and presumably millions of people are going, to, are going to lap this up. It's a joke how pathetic this is. The, the, people are making jokes about this on late night TV. They're just leaving ballots lying around. Uh, what else? In, in New York, Attorney General Letitia James just came out and noted that the Federal Communication Commission repealed net neutrality rules. These are the rules, again, I talked about in the show years ago when this was going on. Net neutrality rules were in place to make sure that internet companies couldn't do things like speed up Fox News and slow down every source of information that told you the truth. It was designed to make sure that some websites couldn't run faster than others so that people weren't steered into presumably websites that would lie to them, like Fox News. It turns out that the effort, successful effort to repeal net, net neutrality rules was accomplished through the use of millions of fake comments during the comment period about whether the net neutrality rules should be repealed. There were millions of fake comments, allegedly from people saying, you need to repeal these rules, this is important, this is bad for America. The whole thing to repeal lies, to make it eat rules to, that will now make it easier to lie to people, was accomplished by lying to people. What a shock. Of course, in Trump news, Trump now has a website, a new Trump website, called Beacon of, that he describes as a beacon of freedom in, quote, a time of silence and lies, close quote. The whole point of this website is to get around the fact that Donald Trump is banned from some social media because all he does is lie and incite the American public to rebellion. They're going, he's going to be able to say things on this website that will then be put into social media, will be forwarded, retweeted, and and liked on social media. It is a way around rules that were implemented to prevent one of the biggest liars the world has ever known from continuing to lie to people to incite them to violence against the United States of America. Reality not only has a well-known liberal bias... Decency has a well-known liberal bias. In fact, it's not a liberal bias. Reality is liberal, period. The Republican Party are liars. So we leave today with this assault on reality. Maybe, maybe my eulogy shouldn't just be the one I'm preparing for reality. Maybe it should be for America. Because ask yourselves now, how does this end well? Thomas Friedman in the New York Times. Thomas Friedman, the guy who's very upbeat, optimistic about all kinds of things, a bit of a cheerleader for, for all kinds of things that he finds are wonderful, the way the world is working, starts off his column last week by saying, we are getting closer than ever to political civil war. Presumably at least since we had civil war. Thomas Friedman says, we are moving to political civil war in this country. I think he may be too optimistic. I don't know why the political is in there. As I keep warning my listeners, America may be moving to civil war. I had a conversation with my 93-year-old father today. My 93-year-old father has always been very informed, reads a lot about what's going on, lived through a lot of U.S. history. I've, I've always turned to him in the past when I needed some kind of comfort and solace about what's going on in the world. And I would say, we're all going to die, or some version of that. And I would count on my dad to say, I've lived through worse than this. Things were worse than this. I lived through the 1960s, and even before that, before we had the civil rights movement, what was going on in this country. And he would 
give me some perspective. I knew we were in a lot of trouble when a couple of years ago I started saying something to my dad and his response was basically, you're right, we're fucked. And I was like, no, 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 You're supposed to be like the, oh, no, things used to be worse. Uh, my father just casually says today, if the Republicans win in 2022, it is the end of the United States of America. That's kind of what I've been saying too. And I guess those are words to leave on, not so I ruin your week, but to once again, hopefully inspire you to inspire others to take responsibility and to give a shit. Because the only way this has the possibility of ending well is if this party is slaughtered. Forgive me, at the polls, not talking violence, if this party is slaughtered at the polls in 2022 and 2024. Good luck with that when 70-something million Americans at least live in a false reality created by the Republican Party and Fox News. Anyway, I told you in the beginning it wasn't going to get any better. (laughs) So there you go. I look forward to seeing you soon. Until I talk to you, that's today's show. Stay safe and have a great week. You've been listening to Forward Nation Radio with David Leventhal. 